Hi everyone! Left to our own devices, the conference may be over, but you can still watch the recording at cybellum.com conference. Tune in to listen to FDA updates from FDA executives themselves, learn about AI in automotive from NVIDIA, the AI leader, and listen to product security leaders from Philips, Honeywell, CISA, and more. Go to cybellum.com conference and watch the recording for free. See you at the next event! You're listening to Left to Our Own Devices, the podcast dedicated to everything product security. All right, let's kick in. So it's, it's wonderful to introduce our guest today, David Colombo, who's the founder of Colombo Technologies. And I've coined him the Cyber Boy Wonder, if that's okay. In case you've been living under a rock, David is a very prolific uh, cybersecurity researcher who, despite his young age, he's managed to build quite a name for himself in multiple industries. And during the past few years, he's exposed uh, some very critical vulnerabilities. And uh, most recently, and for all of you who've been watching the news about automotive, uh, having um, discovered a way into many of the uh, Tesla cars in various parts of the world. So without a doubt, he's one of the most promising up-and-coming stars in cybersecurity for automotive and devices. So David, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's, it's awesome to be here and talking about cybersecurity and securing devices. Great. So you, know, you have such a fascinating story. Uh, please tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into cybersecurity in the first place. Yeah, that's quite a long and quite interesting story. I try to keep it short <laughs> for the podcast, but I, yeah, I start from the beginning. It actually started uh, back when I was 10 years old. I was always a very, very curious person. I wanted to know how the things work and, and what's behind it. And uh, when I got my first laptop, I was just like catched and all in because um, it, it opens uh, a whole new world. You are connected to the internet. Uh, there are so many resources. And I always wondered, like, how does it actually work? Because every one of us does Google searches uh, and looks up information and stuff like this. But what is actually happening uh, when we do that? And I asked myself such uh, such questions. And then I also explored what is possible with the device I have here. And then I started coding uh, with the age of 10. Uh, at first, just like some basic step. But but it was the learning to to understand how the things work. And I got to know the basics from programming, computers, networks, uh, the internet. And then I somehow got into the cybersecurity space. Um, uh, I'm not quite sure what exactly was the reason where I went like, yeah, I'm all in security. But I can remember when I uh, discovered a vulnerability, I was writing an application and I discovered a vulnerability in my own code. And I was like, that's very interesting. Like, what is this about? Because someone malicious could could run like commands uh, on, on my database that they shouldn't. So I looked into this and then I was like, catch, because if there's a vulnerability in this code, there might be a vulnerability in, in code out there. And so I started to learning about um, vulnerabilities, exploiting vulnerabilities, where vulnerabilities can occur. And I just went uh, went all in there. So school was the next day. I actually uh, didn't care and stayed up until like uh, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., sitting on my, on my laptop doing cool stuff, um, trying to hack into uh, various things. And then I was sitting in, in school in the 10th grade here in Germany. And 
I was thinking to myself, like, why do I have to sit here and learn like Latin or do like literally analysis if I could be out there helping companies to secure their staff, uh, protecting organizations from cyber attacks, maybe even protecting hospitals as, as critical infrastructure. So I was like, yeah, I, I really want to do that. I don't want to sit here uh, and, in my opinion, waste my time any longer. But in Germany, you unfortunately just, uh, you can't be like, bye, I'm out of here. Um, see you later. So uh, it, it, it wasn't uh, easy. But then there was someone from the German Chamber of Commerce who understood what I was saying. And I'm so glad uh, uh, I found this person because he understood this. He visited me. He, he took a look at my projects, at my skills, what I'm up to. And then I got a special permission from the German Chamber of Commerce to like just go to school one or two days a week. And then I can use the rest of the time to further build my skills um, and then start my own company, which I did. I started my own cybersecurity company doing penetration testing, security consulting. And on my free time, I do like some bug bounty hunting and security research, which is quite fun. How old were you when you started this company? Yeah, so uh, at first I only did like with 16, like only some some small projects. And my dad had to sign the contracts because I wasn't legally able to here in Germany. And Amazing. the company... Yeah, but then the company as it exists right now, like uh, I immediately went to the notary on my 18th birthday to, to get the papers signed. So I immediately, when I was uh, able to legally start a company, I went to the notary and said like, yeah, I want to start, start a company. And they looked at me like, how old are you? Like you're starting a company. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do that. And yeah, this is what I, what I did. Very, very cool. So I'm curious, you've been researching security threats in, in many different industries, which not a lot of people do. Uh, you've been working with government, with electric cars, all sorts of things. What's the most common cybersecurity mistake that you encounter in, in your work? Like, what do most security teams miss? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think I have to split it up because there's uh, one major thing that I see with like um, middle-sized companies they don't have visibility. So that's a very huge issue that they don't even know what's what's going on. They do their vulnerability scans, they do their patching, but they don't know what's going on on their systems, on their on their applications. And that's a huge issue that, because in my opinion, if there is a hacker on, on your system, you should be able to detect him. Like even if your employee opens that malicious PDF that got sent by email or something like this, the security team should be able to, to catch this, this hacker and throw him out of the network again. But that unfortunately isn't the reality in, in, in many, in many middle-sized companies. And for larger companies like enterprise companies, it just gets um, too complex at a point to, to be managed easily. The whole security, not just the visibility, but the whole security viewpoint. And then some things just uh, slip through. And that's where the hackers like come in and, and find out things that uh, slipped through. Because the Tesla security team is, is amazing. They do a really great job. But even there, some things just slipped through. And that's why we like just need that cybersecurity community and all those cybersecurity companies to work together to um, yeah try to secure all this kind of stuff. Because security is not just a business thing. Security is not just like um, a single thing. Security, in my opinion, is like a task for the, for the whole society, if you want to, to word it like that. So we all have to work together. Great. Yeah, it's interesting because, uh, as you know, that some of the things that we're doing, trying to safeguard medical devices and automotive uh, vehicles, uh, 
definitely agree with you there. So you got a lot of people very curious about the recent Tesla um, hack. Uh, so Tesla, as you mentioned, it's you know it's one of the world's leaders in car software, and of course they have a great security team. So um, it really caught many people, I think, by surprise. So can you give us a little look into how this hack became possible? You know, without revealing all of your secrets, but you know, how how were you able to to hack into the Teslas that you did? Yeah, sure. So I actually can reveal some some technical details because my my write up is is published by now. So uh, m- many like people on Twitter and many like uh, also media ask me to like share share stuff publicly b- before the disclosure, but that's just not how it works. But now um, that I can assure no Teslas are are affected anymore, I can actually share the details. So it started last year. So I was doing a security audit for a French company. Um, a client of mine, and I didn't even start a security audit yet. I just took a peek look at the infrastructure. And then I noticed something very interesting, um, a third-party software um, for, for Tesla that some people use. And it, it's it's only a data logger. It shows where you have been driving and how fast you have been driving and your charging statistics and stuff like this. And I got a bit curious because I could see where the CTO of that company I was taking a look at went on vacation with his Tesla. I later figured out it's his uh, Tesla. I didn't even know <laughs> know it was his Tesla but uh, at this point. But I was like, that's pretty interesting. Maybe I should report that because I as Exxon, a guy, should be able to like walk up there and then see see all this private information. But I got curious again. Like, <laughs> I don't know why, but I'm kind of a Tesla fan my, myself. And then I was like, yeah, maybe I should take a closer look at the software. And it's open source software. So I went on, on GitHub and just spent some time reading through the source code. Because, well, if you want to know how software works, you can just like, um, if it's public, read through the source code. And I wanted to figure out how the credentials flow um how authentication keys are stored and, and stuff like this. And I didn't even expect to find any anything. I just wanted to know how it works. But I figured out the software stores the digital car keys in a way where those car keys are um, accessible from the outside. So there was a vulnerability where I actually was able to, as unauthorized user, query those digital Tesla keys. And it also didn't store the keys as uh, encrypted or stuff like this. So I could just go to that software and, and ask the, it through the vulnerability to just give me the car keys. And then it did. And at this point, I knew that's a huge issue because you can use the digital car keys to like disable the security mode of the Tesla, um, or unlocking the doors, starting keyless driving. You could also do some, some more harmless stuff like honking the horn or turning on seat heating. But you have a wide range of, of stuff you can do. And some funny functionality I, I figured out in the process, if the garage doors are uh, connected to the, to the Tesla, I was even able to like open the garage doors here from, from, from Germany. <laughs> so I didn't try it anywhere without wow. permission, but, but imagine uh, your, your garage door like opening, <laughs> opening and closing and your Tesla opening. <laughs> so that, that was some, some kind of idea. Yeah, that's a risk. Um, that, that I should report ASAP. So I called up that company and reported it and they took down their, their third-party instance. And that was last year. And then the whole thing was like done for me. Like, yeah, I reported it and, and I'm out of there. And then three weeks ago, like um, in, I think it was like the 10th of January, um, a random thought crossed my mind. Like <clears throat> this guy probably isn't the only one using this uh, kind of third-party software. So what if there are more Tesla owners and users out there 
uh, on the internet that unknowingly uh, expose access to to their uh, to their Teslas to their cars. So I ran an internet-wide search to, to find more, and the results came in. It, it was crazy. I expected to find like two or three more of those Teslas where I can like call up the owner again and be like, "Yeah, please uh, fix the software, take it down." But I just like at first it was like five, and then ten, and then like twenty, and with one owner. Uh, I was able to 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 figure figure him out, but it was like a lengthy process. It took like ninety minutes searching through through various uh, internet stuff and through clues, trying to find him. And I reported it, but for all the other Teslas, I had no clue who who owns them. So I tweeted. I got a bit frustrated and, uh, because I, I had no way to, to notify the owner. So I just opened Twitter and was like, yeah, I have control over those Teslas, but I, but I have no way to, to, to contact the owners to report it to them. Yeah, and that That's incredible. Was the tweet that, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was crazy. And that tweet like blew up uh, so fast, so big. It, it, it was really, really crazy. How did Tesla respond to you when you called their security team? How, how did they respond to a 19-year-old calling and saying, I have now control over 20-something of your cars? Actually, so so I sent them an email, like uh, pulling their PGP keys and sending an encrypted email and stuff like this. And they were like very, uh, they answered very short. Like it was just two sentences. They were like, yeah, thanks for the report. We are investigating this now. And I was like, okay, yeah, the first step is, uh, it's done. They're taking a look at this. And then on the next day, I got a second email from the Tesla security team with like, yeah, we took a look into this. Thanks very much for reporting it. We are now revoking revoking access tokens and we are notifying the owners using email and, and push notification. So they acted very quickly. There wasn't like a large large chat with them. So they <laughs> just took the report and, and took their took their steps. But I'm very glad they, they, they acted and helped me out here and also, like, notify the owners to to protect them. Wow! Wow! Amazing! I'm happy I don't own a Tesla. That's what. That's that's. For sure. <laughs> oh, but, but so, Teslas are great cars. I, I love yeah, them. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, I'm gonna get so, one one of these days. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's so great. Yeah, but it's so crazy because I I don't even own a Tesla myself. But then I was sitting here in Germany, just in front of my laptop, and like owning in like. Uh, uh, in like quotes, um, Teslas all around the world, like in Denmark, in Finland, in, in Belgium, in, in the UK, in Ireland, in the US, in Canada, like in, in Switzerland, everywhere uh, were those Teslas. So there was like a, um, an interesting uh, an interesting moment s- sitting there seeing you have this kind of access without even owning a Tesla yourself yet. So it was quite funny. <laughs> wow. So so here's a question. Like Tesla obviously is the you know, it's, it's, it's the leader in, in a lot of ways. So if, if it happened to Tesla, it can happen to any, any car manufacturer. So I'm curious, how do you think this kind of thing can be prevented, uh, in the future? Is it all about just updating the software on a daily basis? Does it take more than that? What, what would you do to, to prevent it, you know, on, on a large scale in the future? Yeah, so you definitely have to um, to take a look at the whole at the whole situation because you, uh, I mean, updating daily is is a great recommendation because uh, vulnerabilities get discovered all the time and updates published. So that's very good. But here in Tesla's case, um, 
there definitely is some fault on, on, on Tesla because how the API is structured, because this third-party software only needed read-only access. So it only needed to read data and, and not being able to, to run any commands. So, so my recommendation there, maybe someone from Tesla listens, so the recommendation there would be to just implement various API scopes like a read-only scope for third-party softwares like this, a non-critical scope for like turning on the seat heater, uh, and then some some critical scope um, th- where the tokens with critical scope sh- should never be given away, like for unlocking the doors or turning off the, the, the security mode. So that's uh, a concrete advice, um, specific advice for, for this case. But if, if you take a, a closer look at the whole uh, automotive industry, you definitely also need to have the right uh, people and, and, and skill sets on board. Because if you take a look at all the German uh, automakers, like we have a lot of them, Volkswagen, Porsche, uh, BMW, and those companies are car companies. Like They primarily build cars. Like A, a Tesla is known to be a computer on wheels, but uh, the, the German automakers and the other big automakers, they still build cars. And they really have to take care of, of building a great security team, getting the right partners on board to, to then be able to efficiently uh, take a look at this. And you, you also sometimes need this, this unconventional thinking, because if you have like a security team that is, has been in security like for 30 years, they, they maybe think differently like a, a 19-year-old hacker that just like tr- <laughs> tries what, what's possible. So th- there needs to be a, a, a coverage for, for all of this. Right. So if you were building a security team right now in a big uh, company, right, like a car company or a medical device company, what would be the very first thing you would do? The very first thing that's uh, hiring good people. So so that's that's like the, the most important thing in security, because, I mean, skill shortage is a whole another topic, like the cybersecurity skill shortage is, is in- incredible. But that's that's where you need the, the good people in cybersecurity. You can't secure a medical device with someone who like, uh, I don't want to blame people who just do it as a job, but if you really want to build an efficient and great security team, you need people who, who have the, the passion in it. So, so if I would build a security team at a, at a large company, I would try to, to get some people on board that are really passionate about it, that really put all their put all the effort in to making it as secure as possible because especially if you, if you take a look at at those critical sectors it, it's not like um it's not some some random web application that, that doesn't store any critical data if you take a look at automotive and medical you, you have critical data in there we have critical features in there so, so you need a great security team and great passionate people who who really want to make this as secure as possible Nice, nice. I agree. <laughs> it, that is definitely one of the uh, most critical uh, points in creating the new team. So what's one of the most like amazing or unbelievable moments that you've had in cybersecurity world? Yeah, there, there were quite a few of them, but, but one is very remarkable. So when I was learning uh, about vulnerabilities and exploits in cybersecurity, I came across a lot of things where I was like, yeah, that's fun to learn, but uh, this isn't going to be an issue in, in the industries out there. Uh, stuff like SQL injections, like that has been known for 22 years. That definitely is not going to be an issue uh, in, in my work. But once I got insights into the actual uh, industries and the actual security of companies, I was like, 
yeah, I was uh, kind of shocked because all of those vulnerabilities where I thought like, yeah, that's going, that's not going to be an issue anymore, uh, was an issue. Like uh, medical devices using Windows XP or something like this. Uh, like I thought, yeah, no, nobody is going to, to have like Windows XP deployed, but that's actually the, the case. So that was something that very, uh, that was very impressive to, to experience how, how different, like I thought, yeah, that's not going to be an issue and compared to what's actually going on in the industry. So that was very, very remarkable. Wow, cool. Very cool. So uh, I'm sure you have quite big plans for the future. Uh, can you share with us a little bit what's your next big goal? What do you want to achieve next? Yeah, that's a very, very great question. So I had a, I had a roadmap uh, outlined before all of this happened because I really want to make cybersecurity efficient and easy. So I actually want to build a, a platform to, to do that. But yes, the last three weeks literally like changed my life. So, so much happened. Uh, I got in touch with so many cool people, uh, including you. It, it was very cool to, to, to get your message uh, on, on LinkedIn asking if I want to go on the podcast. So I met some awesome people. I met some awesome companies. And I, I'm now at a point where I really don't know uh, how my life will look like next year or in, in three years. But I know that it's going to be very exciting and that I will um, continue on, on the mission of making the stuff out there more secure uh, and, and trying to just like put in my uh, my work and my stuff to, to prevent hacks if possible, especially with, with critical stuff. So that's what I'm behind. That's what I want to want to do go, going forward. I also want to like raise awareness to, to the issue because we, of course, are in our and maybe also the listeners of this podcast are a bit in the cybersecurity bubble, but there are a lot of people out there who, who definitely don't have cybersecurity as, uh, even as an issue at all on, on their desk. So th that's also what I want to change, like just bring awareness there. And yeah, uh, we'll see where the life, where the life goes in the, in the next few years. Incredible. So David, I have a question for you. You're 19. So how, what, what do your friends think about all this? You know, your, your colleagues here, the guys you hang out with, you know, they see you now in the news, they see you, you know, Bloomberg and, you know, people are talking about you and how you've, you know, hacked into the Teslas. How is that relationship going? <laughs> yeah. So that, that's, um, that's very funny, uh, actually. So I kind of, right now I, a lot of my friends, um, I, I selected them very, very well over, over the past few years. And right now, uh, my, my friends are also doing cool stuff in, in other areas and with, with their own businesses. So they kind of understand what's going on because it's very hard to um, to like meet up every weekend if you are like having a startup and working all the time. But if you have like friends who are also in in the space, they understand it. And then you connect with them talking about like the cool project you are working on and you support each other. So I, I'm very lucky that I have a, a circle of friends who, who understand what I'm doing that support me on, uh, on the journey. So that's, that's very cool. I'm also glad that my, uh, my dad supports me here. So that's very important because I think, uh, especially in the young years, if I wouldn't have, uh, if I wouldn't have had that su support from from him, I think it would have worked out differently. So I'm I'm very glad and I'm very uh, happy to to have that um, that environment where where I have uh, amazing people around me. That's great. That's really great. 
So on that note, do you have any practical tips uh, for device security professionals uh, going into 2022? Don't give up. I, I, I know it's, it's, it's very hard. Um, pushing pushing that mission but it's very important that we that we stay on it and yeah in, in the end it's just going to have uh, an incredible impact uh, on security uh, on the industries and also on on the society wow that's great so david thank you thank you so much i'm really glad that we reached out to you um i'm sure you're going to do amazing and incredible things going forward and we'd like to stay in touch and of course you know when you're here in tel aviv you know, to come visit in our Cybellum offices. Uh, it would be great to host you and introduce you around to the cyber community here in Israel. Yeah, it would be a- a- amazing. It would be so amazing to to getting in there, talking to some people, drinking a beer with you, uh, talking about uh, device security. That would be amazing. So thanks very much. I'm not sure that our beer is better than the German beer, but we will definitely get you, get your cup. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm. I'm afraid I can't. Uh, I can't bring German beer on a flight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have some here as well. <laughs> Great. Great. Well, thank you again, and uh, we look forward to seeing you know the incredible things that come out of uh, David Colombo in the future. Left to our own devices is brought to you by Cybellum. To learn more, visit cybellum.com.